This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Jay Pizzle, Callum, Riversong, Meet Reaver, Peter Samet, and Christian Amora for already donating. For more stories or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents Desperate Operatives, Episode 4 of War of the Spark. Finding a way to recruit the Azorius Senate, with its evil dragon collaborating guildmaster, Dovin Bon, and to contact House Demir, with its mysterious shapeshifting guildmaster, Lazav, was assigned, I suppose, to other volunteers. But Master Zarek and Mr. Beleren tasked Mr. Kaya with bringing the other four wayward guilds, the Golgari Swarm, the Cult of Rakdos, the Gruul Clans, and the Silesnia Conclave to the table for Operation Desperation. Whatever that is. They claimed that as an outsider, she'd bring less baggage and suspicion to the endeavor than Master Zarek himself would. But as a guildmaster, she'd still bring enough authority and prestige to command, or at least be granted, the necessary audiences with each guild. I could see Mistress Kaya was reluctant, dubious of her chances of success. I leaned over and whispered for her to accept. I can help you with Grohl, Selesnya, and Ra- I was about to add Rakdos, but stopped myself. With Hakara gone, I no longer had an in with the cult. Yeah, with Grohl and Selesnya. Our first stop would be Selesnia, which Mistress Kaya hoped would be the easiest of the four. Teo and I were with her, of course. I say, of course, but it's strange that it feels so automatic. We became her loyal entourage in a matter of hours. And Miss Nissa Ravain came along with us, too, as Mr. Beleren hoped she'd get on well with Milady Amara Tandris, elven champion and acting guildmaster of Selesnia. Unfortunately, getting an audience with Milady Amara was proving difficult. For starters, we had to avoid the substantial quality of creepies being led by a god-creepy named Ronus that was just minutes shy of overrunning the packed Senate House and taking out all of Bolas's significant opposition in one fell swoop. But I do come in handy sometimes. Like I told Mistress Kaya, I knew most of the secret routes through Ravnica and was able to lead our little quartet down passages, alleyways, and shortcuts that the invaders from Amonkhet couldn't know. Miss Ravain, who generally said very little, or next to nothing, really, seemed impressed enough with the speed of our progress to actually speak a few words. You know the city well. She spoke to Mistress Kaya, who was right behind me. I think Mistress Kaya thought Miss Ravain was talking to me, so she didn't bother responding. For my own reasons, neither did I. We did run into a single, and unavoidable, group of Eternals, searching for more victims, I suppose. Teo put up a shield, and from behind it, Miss Ravain asked permission of an old birch tree, which promptly grew multiple branches that spiked through the brains of each and every Lazatep skull before retracting. The attack was so swift that two or three seconds passed before the creepies began dropping to the ground, well and truly dead. We found the conclave well and truly fortified, and unwelcoming. A long line of Ledev guardians and Sagittar archers blocked our path. No one would let us pass even on our diplomatic mission. 
Miss Vervain in particular seemed to be public enemy number one for having awakened Vidugazi, resulting in the World Tree's departure, dismemberment, and near-complete destruction. So that's how Vidugazi got to 10th District Plaza. Miss Vervain's more impressive than she looks. And she looks pretty impressive to me already. I figured I'd better start doing something impressive, or at least semi-impressive, if I was going to live up to my earlier boasting. I skirted the Ledev line and then scurried inside between two unwary guardians. I didn't have to scurry too far. He was already on his way out. My godfather, keeper of my life pledge, the Selesnian Spearmaster Baruvo. The centaur had been Gruul once, and my parents' best friend, but he'd found a calling with Selesnia and had switched guilds about ten years ago. This created a hopefully not permanent rift with my folks, but for me it was a boon. Spearmaster Baruvo was always trying to get me to commit to joining Selesnia. He made it very clear he didn't believe Gruul was the right fit for me, which also didn't do much for his relationship with my Ari and Gonshakta. I remained gateless, but he and I grew very close, which specifically didn't do much for his relationship with my dad. Godfather! He turned, and his stern, normally grill-like expression just lit up. Goddaughter, you should not be out and about. These are dangerous times. I suppose I'm as safe as anyone. Safer than most. Yes, I suppose you are. I need a favor, Godfather. Anything, child. Come with me and greet the new Orzhov Guildmaster, please. <sighs> She's my friend, Godfather. Climb up. Really? He didn't answer, but reached down and swung me onto his back, like he used to do when I was a kid. I giggled <laughs> gleefully like I was still a kid, and he trotted out to the line. Where's the Raytha? Who? Over here! Teo and Mistress Kaya turned to see me riding on the centaur behind the Ledev line. Mistress Kaya looked stunned. The Ledev guardians parted, bowing to allow the centaur to pass. Mistress Kaya... Teo Verata, and Miss Ravane, allow me to introduce you to my godfather, Spearmaster Borovo. The centaur bowed his head to Mistress Kaya and Teo in turn, but seemed to make a point of not bowing to the elf, who watched it all in silence, looking extremely uncomfortable the whole time. Borovo was Grill Clan once, before joining Selesnia. He's a good friend of my parents, and they made him my godfather. I mean, he was the obvious choice, the only practical choice when you think about it. I think my father's always been a little jealous of my relationship with Borovo. Not that that's why Borovo left the clan. He has a calling, you see. He thinks I have one too, and really wants me to leave the girl and join Selesnia. And sometimes that does feel like the right path for me, but I guess I'm pretty indecisive when it comes to- <clears throat> Goddaughter. <laughs> I'm rambling again, aren't I? It's understandable, but I believe we have business to attend to. He turned to Mistress Kaya and Teo. Anyone with the good taste to take notice of our Arathia deserves a chance to be heard. Again, Miss Ravane leaned in to whisper, Who is this Arathia? I could see that Mistress Kaya was about to tell her that Arathia was me, the rat. But I just grinned and shook my head, and Mistress Kaya turned to study Miss Ravane. She was looking directly at me, and yet looking right through me, as if I wasn't even there. And then, boom. It finally hit Mistress Kaya. It suddenly occurred to her that I was basically invisible to Miss Ravane. I could practically see Mistress Kaya remembering back to all our recent interactions. Plus, I could more or less read the gist of her thoughts. 
She thought back to Master Zarek's reaction, or non-reaction, to me, and the way everyone had combined my name and Teo's name when Teo had introduced us both. She was starting to figure out that I was kinda invisible to everyone except Teo, Baruvo, and herself. Kinda invisible, even to my own father. It's not invisibility, exactly. I'll explain later. That was sort of another tip-off. Now, Mistress Kaya was beginning to suspect I was a little bit psychic, which I am. Not that she was sure yet. She was used to mind mages like Mr. Bellerin and his loudly shouted psychic commands and realistic psychic illusions, and I could tell she was wondering if the latter was what I was now using on Miss Ravane. Which, of course, I wasn't. I never would. Send the elf away. He was glaring at Miss Ravane with intense contempt. Send her away, and I will escort the rest of you to speak with Amara Tandrus. Mistress Kaya was about to protest. After all, Miss Ravane was supposed to be our secret weapon to win Milady Amara's favor. But Miss Ravane was already backing away, <laughs> looking somewhat relieved. I've never been very good at talking. You two go with the centaur. I'll join Gideon. Within seconds, she was gone. That was very rude, Godfather. Child. Very rude. Well, I'm sorry. You're forgiven. He grumbled something else unintelligible. But he also couldn't stop himself from smiling just a little. I don't exactly hold that kind of power over a lot of folks, you know? So sure, maybe sometimes I abuse it just a little. Can you blame me? As we moved deeper into Selesnia, I watched Teo's eyes get progressively wider and wider. I don't think he'd seen anything like this before on that desert world he came from. That Gobacon. Everything about Ravnica seemed to amaze him, which was adorable. I think we take our worlds for granted sometimes, until we see them through someone else's eyes. Might be why I'm still gateless. When I see Selesnia through my godfather's eyes, or Grull through my mother's, or when I see... Saw... Rakdos through Hakara's eyes. It always seems... seemed... new and rich and wondrous. Anyway, I was still riding on Spearmaster Baruvo's back as he led Mistress Kaya and Teo to their audience with Milady Amara. The corridors of almost glowing marble were lined with archers and soldiers, all wearing armor decorated to look like leaves or blades of grass. Many were elves. All lowered their heads in slight bows to acknowledge their Spearmaster. All of them eyed Mistress Kaya and Teo with the slightest hint of a threat. None of them even glanced at me, of course. We passed through an arch guarded by two immense loxodons holding axes. Again, Teo's eyes went wide. No laxodons on Gobacon, I guess. The loxodons also nodded to their spearmaster, glared at Mistress Kaya and Teo, and took no notice of the rat. I could tell that light was just beginning to dawn for Teo when Mistress Kaya spotted the look on his face and leaned over to whisper. Only the centaur, you and I, can see Rat. Somehow she's invisible to everyone else, even her father. It wasn't hard to read Teo's feelings. It makes, it makes no, no sense. sense. And yet it, it explains, explains everything. everything. He was staring at me now, so I grinned back at him and slipped off my godfather's back to slip in between my two new friends. I figured they deserved as much of an explanation as I could offer. I'm not invisible. I'm insignificant. A rat. A little rat. You see one, you look away, you try to pretend you didn't notice it. You try to forget about it until you do forget about it. 
Your mind rejects its presence. You're not insignificant. You're sweet to say so, Mistress Kaya. <laughs> but I am. It's magic. I shrugged and smiled. Although maybe I wasn't quite pulling off the smile. I suppose. Magic I was born with. Not many people can see me unless they know I'm there and concentrate. My father's good at that, but he has to know I'm around to manage it. Before today, there were only three people who consistently have been able to notice me on their own. My mother, Borovo, and Hikara. That's why you were so upset when I told you Hikara was dead. No. Well, maybe that was part of it. Mostly I was upset because Hikara was wicked cool and wonderful. But yeah, I guess it hurts to know there's one less person who'll take notice. Of course, then I found the two of you. They each took one of my hands and gave me reassuring squeezes. At which point we all turned a corner and came face to face with Milady Amara Tandres, standing before the Dryad Tristani, the dormant Selesnia Guildmaster with her three symbiotic identities growing from a single trunk. Her central figure, Mr. Sim, was asleep. The other two faced away from each other. On the left, Mistress Oba was crying hot tears. On the right, Mr. Sest crossed her arms angrily. Spearmaster Beruvo bowed low, which was always an interesting sight to behold in a centaur. Milady Tandris, you know Guildmaster Kaya of the Orzhov Syndicate. With her are her associate, Teo Varada, and my goddaughter, Arethia Shakta. Still, Gateless. Milady Amara was squinting, scanning the room for me. Arethia is here? I waved, grinning. Here, milady! Milady Amara blinked twice. One more time, please. I'm here, right between Teo and Mistress Kaya. She's between the other two, milady. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, child, I wish this wasn't so difficult. It's such a joy to see your face and hear your voice. <laughs> Only because each time is like the first. Trust me, milady. If you saw me every day, you'd grow quite tired of both. I sincerely doubt that. I could prove it with five minutes of conversation, milady. But that's not why we're here. Sighing heavily, she grew serious and turned her eyes on Mistress Kaya. I know why you are here. Amara, please, we need to unite the guilds. Ral has a plan passed down by Niv to save Ravnica but it won't work without all ten guilds cooperating. And it may not work even if all ten guilds cooperate, correct? Mistress Kaya didn't respond, but her silence spoke volumes. Guildmaster Kaya, we both know Ralzarek and Niv-Mizzet loved their plans, their strategies, their blueprints. So far, every one has been an unmitigated disaster for the guilds, for Ravnica, and especially for Selesnia. But this time... The Izzet always have names for their projects. Nothing is real to them unless they name it, define it, give it limits. Which is why we have so little in common. What is Rao calling this one? Mistress Kaya hesitated, looking almost embarrassed. But she straightened her back. Operation Desperation. Milady Amara almost chuckled. She certainly smiled as she shook her head, the way my mother used to shake her head at me when I was being particularly silly. I know what it sounds like, but desperate times do call for desperate measures, 
The planeswalkers and the guilds must unite to defeat Bolas. I don't disagree, Kaya. Well then- Milady Amara interrupted her again. I was accustomed to this. She had a way of interrupting that didn't seem rude. She seemed to glide in, her voice growing up between Mistress Kaya's words the way blades of grass grew up between paving stones. I'm sorry, but there's little support for anything resembling unification within Selesnia. Things were bad enough before the loss of Vitugazi. But now... As she trailed off, I was already on the move, skittering up to my godfather. He leaned down for me, and I whispered into his ear. <clears throat> Milady, it was Bolas's creatures that devastated Vitugazi. Yes, exactly. And this wouldn't be the first road where Bolas has wreaked havoc. Two planeswalkers, Vivian Reed from Scala and Samut from Amonkhet, report that both their worlds were absolutely devastated by Bolas. Scala is completely dead, and Amonkhet's few survivors are struggling to, well, survive, while Bolas's monsters continue to ravage what's left of their home. In fact, I suspect the troubles on my world may be Bolas's handiwork as well. Make no mistake, Amara, the dragon is turning all of Ravnica, if not the entire multiverse, into a grave. Suddenly, Mr. Sim awoke, keening. Her sister forms turned toward her, as did Milady Amara with a gasp and Baruva with a low bow. Teo was looking pretty confused, so I slid up next to him to explain. She's the Dryad Tristani, the true guildmaster of Selesnia, the voices of its parent, um, you know, its founder, Matt Selesnia. Mr. Sim in the middle is the Dryad of Harmony. She's been asleep and unresponsive for months. Now she's awake. Yeah, I got that last bit. The Dryad on the left is Mistress Oba, the Dryad of Life. On the right is Mistress Sez, the Dryad of Order. Without Mistress Sim, they've been at odds, split, and unable to reach a decision for their guild. Milady Tandris has been trying to keep Selesnia together during Tristani's... Um... Absence? The keening of Mistress Sim got louder, peaked, and fell away. Everyone waited with bated breath. Finally, she spoke. Or it was almost like speaking. Her words swirling through our minds, like a breeze playing through the leaves of a tree. I have heard the song of placing the wind, sisters. The Dryad of Harmony turned to the Dryad of Order. Sess, Bolas's order is the order of the grave. You have fought with your sister, but she is still your sister. Is it truly your wish to see her ended? To see all life ended? With that little encouragement, Mistress Oba appealed to Mistress Sess as well. There is a great orb to light. Is that not enough? Mistress Sess was silent for a time. She looked away from her sisters. She looked up at the sky. She looked every which way but pleased. But ultimately, Mr. Sess acquiesced with a nod. Tristani is once again in harmony. It is the will of Natslesnia that the Conclave join the other guilds to defeat Nicobolus. So, one down, three to go. Something's changed! Yes, I feel it too. Rao must have succeeded in shutting down the beacon. Planeswalkers can still come? Yes, but they won't be drawn here. There's no summons to answer anymore. And that's a good thing. I think so. 
were enough to defeat the dragon. Or enough to die trying at any rate. I punched Mr. Sky on the shoulder. Well, aren't you a ray of sunshine? I don't know what I was thinking. You don't punch a guildmaster. Ow. Mortally embarrassed, I scurried ahead. This way. Shh. I don't know what was getting into me, but I actually stopped and rolled my eyes at her. <laughs> no one else hears me. No one else wants to. Besides, we've almost reached Skarg. Now, when we get there, you guys should let me do the talking. I thought they can't hear you. Then he looked stricken, afraid he'd hurt my feelings. He's so sweet. Anyway, just the fact that I have people to talk to about my situation makes it easier. It makes me kind of giddy, I think, what with all the punching and eye-rolling and such. Most can't. But my mother, Ari Shakta, can. And my father can, if he's paying attention. Same with Borborygmos. He thinks I'm adorable, which I am. I'm an adorable rat. <laughs> and the sound echoed off the curving walls of the tunnel. I was giddy. I mean, look, I'm used to me. I have to be used to me, because nearly every hour of every day, I'm all I've got, you know? But the fact that Teo and Mistress Kaya could hear me laugh and hear it echo was a magic all its own. I don't think I'd ever spent this much time with anyone who could see me, since I was a very little girl with my mother. Even Hikara never spent an entire day with me like this. Teo was staring at me. I think I might have blushed a little, because he blushed. Probably embarrassed for me, I guess. I tried to pretend he hadn't caught me and continued on. We were moving through sewer tunnels like, well, like rats. <laughs> it was dark and humid and close. Teo, the desert baby, was dripping with sweat. I felt bad for him. Finally, we came to the end of a long brick tunnel. I approached the iron door and knelt before it to quickly pick the lock. You are good at that. Better than I am, and I'm something of an expert. I actually rolled my eyes again. What is wrong with me? Please. I learned to do that when I was six. When no one knows you exist, they don't unlock anything for you. I swung the door open and instantly heard the familiar, familial sounds of angry voices and weapons clashing. I scurried up yet another tunnel, and Teo and Mistress Kaya struggled to keep up. The final tunnel soon opened up into Skarg, the reunion turf, an immense underground playground, the cratered remains of a massive ancient palace. Immediately, I sized up the situation and knew I'd need help. Ganshakta was fighting with the Cyclops Borborygmos, with 30 or 40 other Gruul warriors gathering to watch. Multiple axes came flying toward our heads. One sailed just above my scalp. Good thing I'm short, I didn't even need to duck. Teo instinctively raised a triangular shield, and another axe ricocheted off it. Mistress Kaya went incorporeal, and a third axe sailed right through her, sticking a good two inches deep into the wall behind. Seeing that my new friends could take care of themselves for at least a little while, I took off for home. Ari! Please, Arathia, no need to shout. I thought Gruul warriors were supposed to shout. In battle, not at their mothers. She cuffed me hard. Then she pulled me in and hugged me tight. My mother has a real bear of a bear hug, but I love it. You stay away too long, girl. I miss you, believe it or not. Not! <laughs> she cuffed me again. We have to go. Gonshakta and Borborygmos are killing each other. <sighs> again? <laughs> yes, but today I need them to listen to my new friends. 
You have new friends, child? I... Yes. <laughs> Two. But Ari... Hikara's dead. I know, Arathia. I heard. I'm so very sorry. She could kill with the best of them. And she was a good friend to you. A worthy friend. We said nothing for a bit. Then I grabbed her hand and pulled her after me. Come on, mother! I could hear my father's angry bark echoing through the tunnels as we approached Skarg. Borborygmos is half inclined to kill you right here and now, Ghost Assassin. He holds you and the Storm Mage responsible for his fall. I understand. On the other hand, Teo and I helped save your life. Besides, we're friends of your- I need no reminders of my momentary failing. I owe you. I acknowledge that. But don't think for a moment I'm any happier to see you than the Cyclops. Believe me, you couldn't have come at a worse time. We don't want to be here any more than you want us here. But there's no choice, Ganshokta. There's no choice, Borborygmos. We need the Gruul to- By that time, we were in the chamber, and Ari called out to my father with a mixture of elation and urgency. She's here, Gon. Ganshokta turned. Here? Where? Ari stepped forward with her arms wrapped around me. My mom's considerably taller and considerably more muscular than I am, so her presence generally overwhelms mine, bear hug or no bear hug. She was also armed to the teeth, with a sword and an axe, two long daggers, and an iron chain around her waist like a belt, digging into my spine. But we have the same dark hair, and I'm told the same smile. Right here. All eyes around the bonfire turned toward Ari Shakta. Gon Shakta squinted. Call out, girl! I'm here, father! She's here in my arms, Gon. Then Gon Shakta smiled. I see her! Borborygmos grunted his own acknowledgement, and a few others in the crowd nodded too, though most were only pretending to see me to impress their betters. I addressed my father and the Cyclops with all the formality the occasion required. Great Borborygmos. Legendary Gonshokta. You must unite the clans and help the other guilds. Or it will be the end of us all. Gonshokta growled his response, pointing at Borborygmos. That's what I've been telling him, but the stubborn fool won't listen. Borborygmos lurched toward me and held out his huge hand. I slipped out of my mother's arms and into his grip, which closed around me, practically eclipsing me. I saw Teo take an involuntary step forward, unnecessarily protective. Is it strange that makes me happy? I mean, I don't need protection. Not from Borborygmos, anyway. Really, not from much of anything. Still. Mistress Kaya put a hand on Teo's shoulder and whispered something to stop him. The Cyclops lifted me up so that I could whisper right into his huge, kind of waxy ear. This is really important. The Grohl and all of Ravnica depend on you. He shook his head violently. I cupped my hands and whispered again. Then I kissed his cheek. He blushed a bit, and I knew I had the old softy. Two down. Two to go. Ugh, please, enough. Master Zarek had caught up to the three of us, and we had all entered Karozda together. I've just spent a full 66 minutes draining the beacon. I'm tired, and I don't have patience for your games. 
or your imaginary friend. It's not a game. Rats not imaginary. And by the way, open your bloody mind, Ral. You'd think you never encountered an invisibility spell before. Well, if she's using an invisibility spell, tell her to stop using it. It's not that simple with her. It's innate. She can't turn it on and off. It probably won't work, but point is headed exactly where I'm standing. I was watching Master Zarek as Teo and Mistress Kaya listened to me. He still thought they were teasing him, I guess, and he rolled his eyes at their pathetic prank. Worth a try? Without warning, she ghosted right through him, which I suppose felt mighty disconcerting. Damn it, Kaya, what the crock are you- From behind, Mistress Kaya literally grabbed his face in both of her once again solidified hands and aimed it at, well, me. I waved. His mouth gaped open, and his mind said something along the lines of, Where did she come from? I came from the girl clowns, initially, but I'm gateless, in case you were wondering. My name's Arathia Shakta, but you can call me Rat. Everyone does. Well, not everyone. Not my parents or my godfather, but everyone else who knows about me. Hikara called me Rat. I miss her. I bet you miss her, too. I know you pretended not to care about her, but I also know you valued her friendship. She was such a loyal friend, right? And so funny. She made me laugh and laugh and laugh. Not many people do that with me. Not on purpose, anyway. He had to focus to see and hear me, which meant he could lose sight of me in a second, which might explain why I was running on the way I was. Except we know better, don't we? Don't be offended. Hikara asked, and I'd have done anything for her. Absolutely anything. She knew you wouldn't notice me. I mean, I think initially she hoped you would, but it was pretty clear pretty quick that you didn't. And Guildmaster Rakdos had told her to stick with you, and you kept ditching her. So she had to ask for my help, really. That's kind of your fault. So I tracked you. Pretty much everywhere you went. I looked past him to Mistress Kaya. That's why I'm surprised you didn't notice me. She let go of Master Zarek and crossed over to me. The first time I saw you today, I thought you seemed vaguely familiar, like I had seen you around town, but I'm a stranger here, so I see a lot of locals that don't fully register, as long as they're not a threat. And there was no way you could know you weren't supposed to be able to see me, so you never mentioned it. Or even said hello. Yeah, well, I am sorry about that. Yeah, well, I do forgive you. So, you've been following me since I met Hikara? On and off. She didn't need my services when she was with you. But I did try to stay in the vicinity, so I could pick up your trail and report back if and when you sent her packing. Mistress Kaya smirked a bit, as Master Zarek ran through all the implications of what I was telling him. That caused him to lose focus and lose sight of me again. She's still right beside Kaya. Master Zarek focused, and there I was again! I guess I'm... sorry I couldn't see you? I'm used to it. And really, I'm kind of impressed at what you're doing now. My mother says it took my father three months after I was born to master focusing on me. You've picked it up pretty much instantaneously. You're much more open to new things than you think you are. I think I'm very open to new things. No, you don't. You want to be, but you don't believe you are. But you are. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Master Zarek seemed to notice then that his mouth was hanging open, so he closed it. Mistress Kaya was still smirking. There's no time to dwell. We need to get a move on. She led the three of us deeper into Kurosda, the maze of decay, which meant by definition that we were walking in circles. 
concentric circles leading deeper and deeper into Golgari Swarm territory. I let the two guildmasters lead, though I was ready to correct their path if they took a wrong turn. I'd been down to explore its decaying fungal hedgerows many, many times, and had long ago solved its puzzle. We, or rather the three of them, as no one noticed me, of course, had already been admitted into Corozda by passing beneath the fortress of Pevnar, the Hanging Keep, an upside-down castle with foundations fixed to the ceiling. Master Zarek had been prepared for opposition from the Krunstrands that garrisoned the keep. But the insect-like crawl warriors simply watched us, or, you know, the three of them, enter the maze. Now, as we approached the center, it was clear that not only had we met no opposition, we had met no one at all. Which meant we, they, were expected. Or perhaps that we, they, were walking into a trap. Or, you know, maybe both. We all scanned back and forth for signs of an ambush. I watched Master Zarek check the accumulator he wore on his back. I leaned in and looked at the gauge. It was a few degrees past maximum capacity. Draining the beacon must have been sucking in a lot of juice. He sped up, passing Kaya to enter the great circular amphitheater with its many rows of stone seats, all covered by a soft, downy moss. Vraska's erstwhile lich, an undead Golgari sorceress, was waiting to welcome us, them. Greetings, Guildmaster Zarek. Greetings, Guildmaster Kaya. The Golgari swarm welcomes you to Svogthos. Her voice sounded like dead leaves being blown across a grave. I could tell Master Zarek couldn't remember the lich's name, so I slid up to him and whispered, Storeth. He smiled a thin smile, and I distinctly heard him think, Thanks, Rath. Don't mention it. We appreciate the greeting, Storev. The erstwhile looked mildly surprised, and maybe a little flattered that Master Zarek knew her by name. And again, he gave off the clear thought, and this time, maybe a little less begrudgingly. Thank, thank you, you Rat. <laughs> this is a time of crisis. We've come to meet with Mazarek. Mr. Mazarek, leader of the Crawl, had been Mistress Vraska's right-hand bug and the most likely candidate to have replaced her as Golgari Guildmaster. <sighs> Follow me. We crossed the amphitheater and followed the Lich into Svothgos, the subterranean guild hall of the Golgari. Once a grand Orzhov cathedral, arched and magnificent, it had fallen through a sinkhole some centuries ago. The Orzhov abandoned it. The Golgari claimed its ruins as their own. Madame Storev led us into a cavernous chamber known as the Statuary. A raised stone causeway ran through its center, with statues lining either side. Except the statues weren't truly statues. They were victims. Mistress Vraska's victims. Like Mistress Asperia, each was frozen in stone. But unlike Asperia, whose final expression was one of mild surprise, each of these trophies had been captured in a last look of terror. Hands thrown up too late to protect them from the Gorgon's deadly mythic stare. A number of folks were gathered at the far end of the causeway around Mistress Vraska's, or I suppose I should say Queen Vraska's, massive stone throne. It was interesting that none of these Golgari were actually seated on the throne. Was it because no one had yet taken Queen Vraska's place as Guildmaster? Or was it because the throne was kind of scary, consisting as it did entirely of more of the Queen's dead enemies, intertwined and posed before being permanently petrified in place? As we got closer, I could see that Mr. Mazarek was not among the gathered Golgari big shots. 
Madame Storev made a slight bow, and Master Zarek, Mistress Kaya, and Teo, but not me, of course, were introduced to the Kral Krunstrand's warrior as Domas, the Devkaran leader Matke Zoni, the troll Varols, and the elf shaman Savraya. Mazarek? Mr. Azdamas made a series of clicking noises in his throat before speaking. Mazarek was another Bolas collaborator, revealed by Queen Vraska before her departure. Vraska revealed him. Yes. Vraska freed the erstwhile and gave us our tormentor Mazarek. He has paid the ultimate price for betraying the swarm. Mistress Kaya glanced from Mr. Ozdomas to Madame Storev, to Madka Zoni, to Miss Savraya, and then up to meet the eyes of the huge fungal-hided troll, Mr. Varols. The ghost assassin seemed to be taking each one's measure, and gauging just what it would take to bring each one down if necessary. If I might ask, who is your new guildmaster? That is who we've come to address. They all exchanged dangerous glances that revealed the answer even before Madame Storev spoke. Each of these individuals, myself accepted, has a claim to Vraska's throne. Vraska comes to claim Vraska's throne. We all turned in time to see a figure emerging, fading up, planeswalking in, I guess, out of a silhouette. It was Queen Vraska herself. As she came into focus, Master Zarek remembered to throw a hand up before his own eyes. Mistress Kaya did the same. I'd push Teo's hand up myself. I liked Queen Vraska, but I liked Teo more, and I didn't want him decorating the statuary. With one hand still raised, Master Zarek activated his accumulator. Mistress Kaya drew one of her long knives. Both were as ready as they were going to get to face the Gorgon who'd betrayed them. Queen Vraska ignored them both, and addressing the Golgari, said, Does anyone challenge my right to that throne? Madame Storev, Mr. Ozdomas, Mr. Varols, and Miss Savraya all bowed immediately. No, 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 Queen. Matka Zoni didn't look overly pleased, but she bowed and uttered the same assurance, only half a second later than the other Golgari folk. Master Zarek risked a glance at Queen Vraska and saw what I saw. Her eyes weren't glowing, which meant she hadn't summoned the magic to turn anyone to stone. It was a small relief, but we both knew she could summon that power rapidly. And she had other skills, other weapons as well. For example, the cutlass hanging from her belt. You look ridiculous. What are you supposed to be, a pirate? Wow, a pirate queen. That actually sounded pretty keen. She continued to ignore him, moving right past him to take a seat on her horror show of a throne. I'm surprised you returned to Ravnica. Shocked, really. Appalled. Especially after the beacon was turned off. Master Zarek was charged up and ready for a fight. Static crackled through his spiky hair. So which was it? Did you assume Bolas had already been defeated? Or that he'd already triumphed? Queen Vraska led us through the Golgari Tunnels, clearly aware that her two former friends, Master Zarek and Mistress Kaya, were right behind her, one charged and ready to fry her, the other drawn and ready to skewer her. Turn to look at me, and I won't hesitate. It seemed like a fairly intolerable situation, so I skittered up to Mistress Kaya. Hikara really liked Mistress Vraska deep down, you know? 
Maybe we should give her the benefit of the doubt? I mean, why do you think she came back? I don't know. I'll ask. Ask what? My friend Rat wants to know why you came back. She's inclined to trust you because Hakara considered you a friend. Then again, I was inclined to trust you once too. Phrasing it like that wasn't likely to give us any useful answers. And sure enough, Queen Vraska ignored the question and the judgments. Or at least she tried to. I scurried forward to read her face, and maybe get a general sense of her thoughts. She was definitely conflicted, but I felt certain she was determined to help. Help us, help Ravnica, and certainly help the Golgari. After her arrival, Mr. Asdomas had quickly updated her on Ravnica's current situation. I could tell then that she had neither advanced knowledge of the crisis, nor much to be surprised about. Oh, except the part about Mr. Beleren having lost the powers of the Living Guild Pact. That seemed to catch her quite off guard and revealed, to me at least, that his complicated feelings for her were reciprocated. Mr. Asdomas also reported that Golgari, Gateless, and other gilded civilians were trapped in various pockets of the city, at the mercy of the Dragon's Eternals. Queen Vraska had made an offer to help, which Mr. Zarek had instantly rejected. Mistress Kaya had started to reject it, too. We need the Golgari. She rules the Golgari, so we don't have a lot of options. We can't trust her. And yet we still need her. You weren't there. You don't know. If she hadn't... I know. I do know. Believe me, I, I know. Then how can I... You test it, I guess. Give her the chance to prove she can be trusted. Or prove that she can't. Then Mistress Kaya sighed heavily and turned to Queen Vraska to accept her help. And when Master Zarek objected again, Kaya forced him to begrudgingly accept as well. So now those three guildmasters, along with me, Teo, Mr. Asdomas, and Madame Storev, were trudging through the subterranean waterways and sewers of Ravnica on a rescue mission. Queen Vraska stopped beneath a massive iron gate. She gestured with one hand, careful not to look backward, since even her most harmless glance might trigger a preemptive strike from Master Zarek. Mr. Asdomas approached and pulled off the gate. The scraping of iron against stone echoed through the tunnels. Who's there? Master Zarek, briefly forgetting his mistrust of the Queen, stepped forward. Is that Goldmane? Sure enough, Mr. Goldmane stuck his head down into view. Zarek. The Leonin immediately spotted the Izzet Guildmaster. I've been leading some of the other planeswalkers to help evacuate civilians, but the Eternals got the drop on us. Six or seven crops. We've been pinned down inside this old chapel for over an hour. The building's completely surrounded. They're attracted to our sparks and won't leave. We've kept the Dreadhorde at bay, but it's a losing battle. Kazi was harvested when an Eternal punched its hand right through the wall and grabbed her by the wrist. Queen Vraska came up alongside Master Zarek. This is the way out. Mr. Goldmane squinted at her with his one good eye. You must be Vraska. Jace was hoping you'd show up. He believes in you. Queen Vraska frowned. Bring everyone down. The Golgari will keep them safe. You have my word. Master Zarek scoffed <laughs> loudly but managed to say nothing. Without a sound, Mr. Goldmane's face vanished from the opening. A minute passed. Then two. The Queen and Master Zarek exchanged confused glances. I was just about to climb up and see if I could help when Mr. Goldmane dropped down. He approached the Gorgon without fear. We haven't been introduced. 
I am a Johnny Goldmane of the Gatewatch. He reached out his hand. She grasped his thick, furry forearm, and he grasped her smooth one. Welcome to Golgari territory, a Johnny Goldmane. You are safe here. He nodded, smiling. Then he turned back up toward the tunnel's ceiling. Start lowering them. One by one, Ravnikins, children mostly, were lowered into the arms of Mr. Goldmane, of Mr. Asdomas, of Mistress Kaya, of Teo, and of Queen Vraska. I wanted to help too, of course, but I could have stood there all day and no one would have handed a child to me. So I just tried to stay out of the way, you know? A wary Master Zarek stood back as well. Queen Vraska was handed a young elven girl, five or six years old, who buried herself in the Gorgon's breast, heaving great sobs of fear and sorrow. The queen looked stricken, but she held the girl tight. There was a noise from above. They've breached the doors! The last of the Ravnikins descended, and they were followed by two of the planeswalkers I had seen at the summit. Mr. Goldmane quickly introduced them as Miss Muriel Ling and Mr. Jean Yanggu. The latter called back up. Oh, come! A small dog leapt down into Mr. Jiang's arms. This was a much smaller dog than I had seen at the Senate House. Did they bring two dogs? Mr. Jiang pulled the canine down on the tunnel floor, and it proceeded to grow, expanding into the three-tailed dog, as tall as its master, that I had seen before. Crocs, I want a magic dog too. Where's Watley? Here. Miss Watley dropped down. I'm the last, but they're right behind me. As if to prove her right, a Lazatep-covered hand and arm reached down from above, sweeping the air and just missing Miss Watley. The hand vanished into the darkness above and was replaced by the heads of three Eternals. They started to climb down, delayed only because none of them waited for either of the other two. That delay gave Queen Vraska the time she needed. She summoned her power. I watched it build up behind her eyes. But she kept focus on the ceiling to avoid triggering Master Zarek's wrath. The Gorgon pulled the crying elf child closer to her bosom and covered the girl's eyes with one hand. Then, as the three creepies filled the opening, Queen Vraska locked eyes with each of them in turn, transforming all three to stone. The sound of them calcifying was kind of satisfying, and the result was that she had not only stopped Miss Watley's pursuers from attacking, but had also effectively sealed the hole and the Eternal's only way down from the chapel above. Madame Storev approached her queen and whispered in her ear. She listened and turned to Master Zarek, who took a step back, but didn't try to electrocute her, which seemed like a good sign to me. Maybe it was because her eyes were no longer glowing, meaning she was no longer an immediate threat. Or maybe it was because she was still holding the small, softly crying elf girl in her arms. Or maybe, just maybe, it was because she had begun to earn back a little of the lost trust they had once shared. All across the city, the Golgaria opening up pathways to safety for every Ravnican they can find. We are fighting Bolus's army and preserving life. You're welcome. Master Zarek said nothing. Three down, one to go. Good. Now there's one more thing we need you to do. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Desperate Operatives was written by Greg Weissman. The podcast was produced and edited by Gendo Keshi with sound editing by Grace Noir. This week's story featured the voice talents of Madison Dabbs, Bass Jalaren, Paul Warren, Voodoo Sudu, Christina Edelman, Beetle Bottle, Elvin Fangirl, Purple Rogue, Anjali Kunapaneni, Adam Stevens, Mycroftian, Dia, Clay Thompson, Maxi Bridgewood, J.W. Forsyth, Caitlin Buckley, and Jared Raman. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening, and y'all have a great day. <laughs>